everyone, and welcome to our Warped podcast. Today is Chris's mandate, and we're going to be talking about the TV series Invincible on Amazon Prime. Invincible was produced through Beverly Hills-based Skybound, a multi-platform entertainment company. It features animation from Winsun Sky Entertainment, as well as Kirkman's own Skybound. Inspired from Image Comics series by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley, other publications include Spawn, Witchblade, The Walking Dead, Jupiter's Legacy, and Kick-Ass. Featuring voices of Stephen Yoon as Mark Grayson, Sandra Oh as Debbie Grayson, J.K. Simmons as Nolan Grayson or Omni-Man, other notable names including Jillian Jacobs as Adam Eve and Zazie Beetz as Amber Bennett. Basics of the world of Invincible are very similar to the DC and Marvel comic universes with superpowers, magic, aliens, and other sci-fi elements. Influence seems to be more heavily based on the DC side, with Omni-Man and the Viltrumites being close to Superman and Kryptonians. Guardians of the Globe are this universe's Justice League, with all the members being inspired by the main members of the Justice League, like Warrior Woman is Wonder Woman, Red Rush is The Flash, and so on. The only exception I found really being the Immortal, who could maybe be... A Superman equivalent too, but I don't think so. If it wasn't clear already, we're going to get into some pretty massive spoilers for the series. So it's eight episodes. Check it out on Amazon. We'll still be here. But to talk about Invincible, you have to talk about the twist of episode one, which is after Mark discovers his powers, Omni-Man calls all of the members of the Guardians of the Globe to their secret base to brutally murder them. It sets the tone for the rest of the season that this is not just another family-friendly superhero show. What was your guys' first impression when you saw that happen? I actually saw that clip isolated online before I I saw this show, and I was very excited by it because it was extremely brutal. It wasn't trying to hide anything or be more kid-friendly or appeal to a wide audience it just got into it and i think on its own it is probably one of the better choreographed fight scenes there's that fight and then the one with i think episode episode six when mark and the new guardians of the globe fight machine head and like his goons and it's just you know back and forth super brutal too but to a lesser extent uh Yeah, so definitely super brutal. I don't think you could have gotten that level of brutality in a live-action show. A lot of budget for that. What did you think, Grace? Well, before I knew we were going to do this as an episode, Walker was watching the show in the other room. I think I was actually editing one of our episodes. So I just heard a lot of like loud noises coming outside, and I walked outside and saw Walker watching it, and eventually I got sucked in. So... I started the show on episode three and then just watched it all the way to the end. So I missed a ton. So I had to go back after we decided we were going to do the show. So it's kind of funny because I was at the knowledge level of all the characters. So when you do find out for certain that Omni-Man is the villain, I was like, what? 
<laughs> but he was such a good dad. He was so he was so good. Uh, he had some moments. Um, there's were, there were some moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some Earth Dad moments. There yeah. Some Earth Dad moments. You know, playing catch with your with your son, throwing balls literally across the planet. I don't really understand how they did that. How did they have the aim for it? You just gotta yeah. account for the Coriolis effect. I can't even get there. Um, so, I can't even say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when I did finally watch that scene, it was very brutal. There's one kill that specifically really creeped me out when he kills the equivalent of Wonder Woman. And he twists her head backwards. And then there's like a quick pause where she's still probably alive. She vomits and then just falls to the ground and dies. And it was really gross and upsetting. Yeah, uh, that, that was a that was a big one for me too. That was like gore wise the lowest I think of all of the kills, but bothered me a lot too. Which kind of leads me into my experience of I was worried the whole show was going to be like that consistently brutal, and usually that doesn't bother me. But I was like not turned off by it. I wasn't like. I can't watch this anymore, but I was like, wow, I don't know if I'd be able to handle that every episode. It's not that bad consistently. There are moments, for sure. Well, the the great thing about that heightened violence is that it really shows more about Omni-Man's character that you will eventually figure out, but it's just a, a more uh, raw uh, visual aspect of that without having a dialogue dump or, or something along those lines. It's it's just isolating the real sort of personality that he has or or that that drive, I guess. Yeah, like the the relentlessness that you really see that he has. That's a really good point cuz I think there's a reason that the internet exploded with that scene when that like those first couple episodes came out. Because it's a really well done scene with pretty minimal dialogue. Basically, nobody talks. It's just like expressions and sound, like sound. What's like foley effects? I guess you know, with people getting slammed or punched. Right. Really, the only dialogue is between Warrior Woman and the immortal and essentially it's them coming to the realization that they're either going to die or they need to kill Omni man there's no amicable way to to sort this out yeah they they struggle with him maybe he's being controlled or possessed or something but you know that's that's all they really have time to say to be honest before omni man murders all of them and also off that he doesn't say a word which is pretty uh if you think about it it's pretty like scary, I guess. It it wasn't like a personal thing. It wasn't like he was mad at them. As we kind of find out later, he just did it because it was like a job, basically. It was like a second thought. It's it's a lot like when he t- is teleported to that other alien planet. It's that same mood, that same sort of determination. It leaves no room for ambiguity because sometimes when other shows or comic books do some sort of twist where you're like, wait, is he the good guy or the bad guy? What's happening? Am I going to learn that that was the right thing to do? Right. He was doing it for like a good reason. Yeah. But it doesn't, you don't feel that way even like you maybe do at first. You're like, oh man, maybe they're corrupted. Maybe there's something and you have to get rid of them. But the way that he like wordlessly eviscerates all of them kind of leaves you to be like, no, I'm pretty certain that that was something bad that I just witnessed. Right. 
like when people's heads are multiple people's heads are like literally exploding um you know just for a storytelling point like what you were saying grace is that doesn't leave a lot of he probably did it for a decent reason he they they really paint it like this was monstrous what he did and you know that's what i kind of felt watching it especially when in the in the opening moments of of this first episode you have the team coming in and helping protect the president, and then Omni-Man eventually shows up, but they're all there doing a job, being sort of more, uh, I guess, protective of the civilians, and that's very apparent. They're, they're not, they're concerned about casualties. Even the soldiers, they, they take great care to protect them as well. And if, if that isn't supposed to be a demonstration of their general character, then it's kind of hard to believe that they would be the corrupted group within this universe right i'm I'm glad you said that because in like off what you were saying grace is that maybe you're hoping that it's sort of like another amazon superhero show like the boy situation where all these members are outwardly really kind and good but like behind closed doors they're all monsters themselves um but then I'm not going to get too much into the differences of the comics and the show. There's some notable things I'll mention throughout. However, that's a big thing I wanted to talk about between the comics and the show is the Guardians of the Globe. Because in the comics, you don't see them for, I think, like seven issues or something like that. And they're only name dropped before that. But in the show... As you guys know, that's literally the first scene is them. And you see how they interact with one another. You see, like, personality quirks with Red Rush, you know, not being able to deal with people vomiting when he helps them. Or, you know, um, you know, Warrior Woman being really stoic and immortal, not really seeming to trust Omni-Man all that much. And, you know, just little things throughout, which I think adds a lot to the later moment of that episode there there seemed to be a a weird kind of either distrust or a bit of maybe jealousy or frustration that they know that they could handle the situation but uh here is omni-man kind of stepping in and really pulling the spotlight onto him because there was another instance with is it nightwing Mm -hmm. where he's trapped under the car and it, it seems like he's pretty much going to be crushed. And in that case, I guess it's fine that Omni-Man is able to save him from that. But you've got later on in the in the battle, you've got the situation with the soldiers and uh, the immortal. And he's trying to catch all of them and, and get them back to safety. But Omni-Man has to step in and act like, oh, he needed to. It was imperative kind of thing. I, I got that vibe, too. I, I, like you, Walker, saw the the like the murder moment clip before i saw the episode so i kind of knew something was up but yeah i got that feeling too that there was some kind of animosity at least between those two um which i think could be a nod to the comics because in the comics every other member of the guardians is literally killed in one panel on one page of the comic like there's not a big fight it's just Head chopped off, head cut off, you know, for every member aside from the immortal, who I think gets, like, one line where he says, I always hated you, and then he's killed. Which was, I think, another good change from the comics to the show, because 
you know, they're supposed to be Earth's greatest protectors and sure, you know, like the equivalent of like Superman fighting the Justice League, you know, that's a whole other debate. You get to see like how strong they were and they still were like pretty helpless and stopping him. There are some members, uh, Aquarius, and I think, uh, you know, that they maybe aren't really even the same caliber. It's it's hard to really say, you know, because even Aquaman, it's like, why, why are you involved? I mean, I could have this debate with you, Walker, but I think we'll choose that for another. Okay, we're going to save that hot. I, I'm an Aquaman fan. Um, okay. Aquarius, though, is, you know, he shoots water, like whatever. Um, I mean, Blastoise is cooler than Aquarius, let's be real. Blastoise is pretty awesome. I think having them, the Guardians show up early and going more in-depth into their character at the beginning is really effective because it shows that anyone in the series can die. The stakes are really high. Um, there isn't much plot armor, and it reminded me very much of like Game of Thrones, the Red Wedding sort of situation where you're like, oh my god, this character that I've been following for hours and hours that I've been rooting for that normally would never die in a series like this is gone. So that means any character that I'm rooting for has the possibility of dying. I, I totally agree. That scene was really well done for so many reasons and setting the tone for the rest of the show, I think was the biggest part of it. It shows that nobody's safe. Even like the strongest people on the planet can get killed, you know, like nobody's safe. Yeah, the character named immortal is killed one of the unfortunate side effects of having that scene so early is that you are immediately cut back to having to develop mark as a character and so the build back up to a more engaging atmosphere takes a little bit so you you come in on these two pretty big highs and then it really kind of drops you back down thematically so it's it's fine the first watch through but when grace and i had to go back and watch i think the first three episodes that she had missed it was a little bit i don't want to use the word boring but i'm going to uh just for me um and in those those moments where we didn't have a lot going on so unfortunate but i don't think they could have done much to make the transition more palatable on a second watch yeah going back to high school after all of that is a little bit weird but it does give you a sense of kind of dread there is like a ramp down and then back up as the series goes on like it really doesn't start ramping up until you know half later half of this season the setup was huge for the rest of the season with such a big moment happening so early on really is a well done twist i don't think it's that sort of trope where that idea has been tired out too much it kind of came in at a good time in in media generally so yeah it seems like the boys kind of did this corrupt superheroes thing first at least like mainstream media then you know obviously invincible did it and then another Image Comics series, the Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix now. Seems like people are really liking this, you know, what if Superman went evil type of trope, like with Injustice. It Burn Bright. Burn Bright, yeah. I forgot about Burn Bright. Yep, that one too. How could you forget about Burn Bright, Chris? I never saw it. I never saw it. It looked cool, but um, this is kind of revitalized the superhero interest, though, for me, because I love marvel but all the avengers movies and such have gotten kind of stale for me like all these different series so 
seeing something way more mature and brutal like this has opened a lot of possibilities, which is really cool to see. You got something to say, Grace? Yeah, again, um, this is before I realized we were going to do an episode on this. I did listen to someone, um, another podcast talk about Invincible. Oh boy, they beat us to it. They beat us to it, and just to give credit where credit is due, it was uh, the podcast called The Wizard and the Bruiser, and I can't remember if it was Jake or Holden, but they were talking about how when they were comparing and contrasting the boys with Invincible, they were saying that the boys was written by someone who hates superheroes and superhero genre, and Invincible was made by someone who loves the genre. And I felt like that was pretty accurate because The Boys seems like a much more mean-spirited version of Invincible. It, it definitely pits humanity against anybody with inborn abilities, or in, in this case, manufactured abilities, Given the roots of how superheroes in that universe came to be, it's it's very much part of a, a sinister and evil plot. So we don't really know how these superheroes came to be, how long they've been in existence. They just sort of are there. There's other elements that make it more grandiose, which is good. It's not as centralized and sort of condensed to Earth as an idea. So it feels more in sync. Yeah, I just liked that Invincible, and then just to shoehorn my favorite Umbrella Academy into it, it, it's a new take on superheroes, but kind of a love letter to it. Invincible and Umbrella Academy are both maybe more, I'd say, with the exception of some Marvel and DC comics, a bit more inclusive version of superheroes. How do you mean inclusive? Well, there's more characters of color and queer characters in um, Invincible and Umbrella Academy. Which is interesting. That was actually a good adaptation from the comics because a lot of the characters were either ambiguous or white or cis or whatever. Um, so th there were some interesting changes there, like with Mark Grayson and Debbie Grayson being uh, mixed Korean and Korean American, respectively. In the comics, it's left kind of ambiguous, but, you know, uh, that was a good change. Amber Bennett is black in the show, but in the comics, she's a blonde, blue-eyed girl. So, yeah, big change there. And uh, she's she's an interesting character that got a lot of development in the show as well, which was good. And other, gen other characters got gender-swapped, like Green Ghost was... Uh, a guy in the comics, Shrinking Ray, the one of the newer members of the Guardians that you know, can shrink, uh, was a guy in the comics as well. So there was some good like inclusivity uh, changes that I think added a lot because I never would have known, and you know it didn't. It added a lot to these different characters and um, you know relationships. Like William, who is gay in the comics too, but is closeted for a big portion of it and like maybe halfway through comes out, is very openly and proudly gay, like right off the get-go, which is great. So yeah, bunch of changes for inclusivity in the, the show. And I agree, there were, um, it's, a, it, it's definitely, Invincible is a superhero show at its core with just some bad eggs throughout. The Boys is... All superheroes are bad, and here's why. Very very little redeeming qualities about them and the boys. 
Yeah, so I think that it's similar to Umbrella Academy in that way, too, where the comics, they're all white characters, and Klaus is kind of queer-coded, but not really as much as in the show. He's very obviously gay and possibly genderqueer, and then Allison is played by a mixed-race woman, and um, Vanya will find out whether what they do with her character after Elliot Page came out, um, but she, Vanya as a character, was... Um, gay as well. So yeah, I think that it's pretty cool that when these things get adapted to TV, they make an effort to be more inclusive. So after the twist of episode one, with all that setup being established, it kind of becomes a almost like a mystery. Obviously, as a viewer, you know that Omni-Man went out of his way to murder the Guardians of the Globe. But as the viewer, you're hoping there was a good reason why, like we were saying, or you know, he had to do it. He was con- he was actually controlled or something. But all the other characters don't know Omni Man did it, and those that suspect him have no idea why he would. Or like us, hoping that there was a good reason for it. So what kicked it all off was Mark discovering that he did have Viltrumite powers. And as the show progresses, we follow Mark learning how to use his powers and become a superhero, quote, like his father, end quote, all while learning the difficulties of having a normal life as well as a super life. Yeah, there's that uh, great moment where he's yelling at his dad, telling him to hit him. Yeah, that was a, that, I thought that was a really like interesting scene, because before that, Omni-Man is trying to, like, I guess, toughen up Mark, and he punches him really hard, and it like knocks the wind out of him, and it like, freaks him out. And as the viewer... You're still kind of thinking, oh, he just kind of lost control or, um, you know, sure, that was a little tough. But in my second watch through, I was thinking, wow, that's the real Omni-Man coming out and maybe actually trying to hurt Mark. I don't know. But yes, then there's that, that scene later where Mark is like almost insecure about that moment because he's like, my dad's going to think I'm weak. And I got to prove to him that I can be as strong as he is and, you know, punch me, you know, like I can take it, you know, like I'm strong like you. I need to be like you. And yeah, it was a good moment. Good, good character like device. The kind of puzzling thing, I think, is that it's hard to tell if Omni-Man was always this, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but obviously genociding a lot of your own people is going to change a, an individual, be you a Viltrumite or human. It, it definitely isn't something that you can walk away from without having serious psychological repercussions. Exactly. So it, it's, it's difficult to determine really if these flashes are because he's had to repress stuff for so long and really be that top tier superhero for upwards of dec- you know decades uh, and, and not being able to I guess be be true to the ideals that that his planet actually upholds and there's in such contradiction with with how most places on earth are there's obviously pockets where his uh, ideology would be more acceptable but generally speaking in this day and age it's not as uh, in fashion I, I suppose he he's definitely got a real aura of superiority in some way i suppose where 
like he's teaching Mark to fly and they fly to the Himalayas and he's overlooking the the world and he says I forget how beautiful this planet can be. To bet the human race is hell bent in destroying it. Good thing they have us. So I think he's he's trying to like distance himself from humanity and at least trying to distance Mark from humanity and get him onto like his side. So I guess Omni Man's pretty complicated. We'll kind of get into his character a little bit more. And I think he he only has to be that way because, like you were saying, it's the the trick of it is trying to bring Mark over to his way of thinking. It's not going to be something that's easy because all Mark knows is his human existence. He doesn't really know what being a Vultramite is, even though his dad has said things like, oh, you have more responsibility. There's never, I don't think there ever was, at least we never see moments in his childhood where he actually says explicitly, you are greater than anybody that you come across on the street here on Earth. He never says that like we're better or they're less than until the last episode of the season. Before that, yeah, he's just planting seeds like they need us. You know, we have this responsibility. And as I was watching it, I kept thinking, oh, he has a responsibility to be better, to protect the planet. But as you find out what the Viltrumites are actually about, you know, they're, they're a race, like you said, Walker, that genocided all the weak of their planet to make themselves stronger and that they're really just trying to conquer the entire universe the messed up thing is that if it were a Superman situation where he was the last of his kind and happened to have a child and he still maintained these ideals, it would just come across as a general madness, I think, more more so than this overwhelming uh, sort of oppressive force that kind of comes through because you know that, yeah, he's just one Viltrumite, but the, to to have the knowledge that there are many more, hundreds, thousands more, just like him, it, it, it would be pretty unsettling uh, to, to have that as uh, reality. Right. To think he's not even necessarily, like, the the strongest, you know, he, he's one of the stronger, because he's like a, I don't know if he was like, he was like an elite, I suppose, but there are some glimpses, some that I think were setups to future villains in the series. There's... There's like this massive, like when they when they show like the, the genocide of the or like the culling, I guess we should call it. I don't know if culling is the right word because I think that's that's the terminology that uh, Omni Man uses. I think genocide had worked. It's appropriate. It, it it's it is that's that's what it is. There's culling. It's that suggests a more more of a necessity. This was purely done out of uh, an idea of of power and, and how to transfer it. it. It was very, yeah, it was just, it was like business of just, he said, cutting their population in half. So yeah, genocide. All right. It was definitely genocide. Not good. Not great. Omni-Man isn't necessarily the strongest because they, it looks like they set up two villains for the future that I think are characters in the comics. There's an Omni-Man kind of lookalike, but he's huge and he has a white mustache and then there's a lady that has a blade on her, like, braid at the end of her, like, hair. So, you know, it's pretty intimidating to think what they might be like. And especially 
with Omni-Man probably being at least a little conditioned to humanity and like obviously he cares a little bit for Mark only enough to not kill him right but just barely but I think that is a distinction of what to expect from the other Viltrumites that have had no experience with humanity zero conditioning and really just see them as like or I guess us as a race of you know, meat bags, basically. We have zero defense or offense against them. There's there's nothing, unless there's something that, that is explained in the comics. I, obviously, Invincible is, you know, Mark is more concerned about the plight of, of humans, but he's just one guy. So Right. One guy against a whole population of guys that, you know, have the same powers and a lot more training, you know, so... And yeah, you know, like the whole final episode of the season is humanity just trying to get a scratch on Omni-Man with every tool at their disposal. Like Cecil, who's a great character, um, that when they they fire like a space cannon on Omni-Man and twice, and all it does is give him a nosebleed. Cecil says $400 billion for the world's most expensive nosebleed. Like, that's the level of difference between the Viltrumites and the human race. So that'll be cool to see how that's developed further. When Omni-Man or Nolan was training Mark, he gets really angry afterwards. Because I think what he was hoping for was the callousness to be an innate trait that comes with the gaining of powers. That he would be as like ruthless as him right off the bat. Yeah, and I think he kind of thought it was more of a, a nature versus nurture thing because if he thought that it wouldn't automatically show up when he has powers, he's kind of mad at himself for raising him so human. Which is what he says straight up later on in the, the season is like, I raised you as a human, which was a mistake. He should have understood that from the beginning because... He even says that, I'm forgetting the name of the, of the mother. What's what's her name? Debbie. Debbie. He says that she's his pet. And so if you have, you know, offspring with your pet, it's just <sighs> I, the idea. I know it's, it's, it's bizarre. And the more I think about it, the more it grosses me out. But, but even still, like he should have understood that whatever came of that was not going to be like him, no matter what. Anyway. I think he's even like going to come to the realization that his way of thinking was how he was raised, not who he is. Like, because I think you would be like, oh, I thought this was a normal way of thinking, but if someone with my DNA doesn't think this way, then what's wrong with me? But I don't think he goes that deep. Yeah, it's hard to say, but there is definitely a setup of, like, the whole universe hates the Viltrumites. Like, that there's a... what I think... Alan the Alien, voiced by Seth Rogen, says the coalition of planets is, um, like, gathering up to, like, fight the Viltrumites because nobody likes them, basically. So there is, I think, a setup of maybe Omni-Man will have some kind of redemption. I think it's pretty hard after uh, the emotional and physical abuse on Mark now. And Debbie, to a, you know, massive extent, too. I mean, they're essentially space Nazis. Yes, yeah, I think that we've we've pretty much said that by walking around that that phrase. But yes, they are 
Space Nazis. I mean, it's very trite to be like, the bad guys are Nazis, but, I mean, the bad guys are Nazis. What are you going to do? It's the most recent and prominent example, so... Sorry, what are we going to say? They're the... They're colonizers. Sure, colonizers. that's a way to put it. They literally do that. I think he says, like, we colonize planets, so... Um. Yeah, okay, we'll call them the British, not Nazis. I think we only have, like, two UK listeners, right. so... Yeah, they they don't have uh, they don't have licenses to butter their toast. So what are they going to do with us? <laughs> oh yeah, so that was basically the setup of the plot. Mark is learning how to use his powers to become a superhero while learning the how to juggle being normal and super with personal relationships and you know his superhero relationships. And as a viewer, we are trying to hope Omni Man has a good motive. And it kind of becomes almost like a mystery with Damien Darkblood doing like this, like detective uh, sluicing and, you know, seeing what's going on. All while we learn about the universe of Invincible with different like magics and different alien races and uh, like cosmic powers and just like, I guess, like the politics of the world and seeing how things work. So, I guess, without further ado, let's talk about Mark Grayson, or Invincible, the namesake of the show. The titular. Titular character. Um, (laughs) 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 He's obviously just got his powers, so he's still figuring out how to use them, what it means to use them, and um, yeah, he's naive, but he's got a good heart. You do see some size of, like, uh, a, a rage, I guess. He has, like, these berserker moments uh, a couple times. But I I liked Mark a lot. I thought he was a pretty deep character, especially as you see in the last episode with him talking to his dad and him just looking up to his dad and what that moment meant in the last episode. He, yeah, he's just not another, like, it's it's weird when he's got like the powers of Superman basically, but he's still a kid. You know, he's a teenager, and um, what it means when your dad is basically Superman, and like what that does psychologically to you. And the kind of funny thing about I know we keep we keep bringing up Superman, but it it really is the most popular and well known analogy to this type of character, but. In, in most iterations of Superman, there isn't ever a period where you see any kind of training or the need for, for any training. There, there's definitely situations where maybe his approach is a little bit of a bumble, but the actual end point, there's never a question of him being taking on any kind of injury. It, it's always, he's fine, you know. With Mark, he definitely still can, you know, he can get winded. He can obviously, he's got a lot of, the biggest problem is his understanding of the the flight ability because it's not exactly like any other superhero. It's somewhat specific to him where it's almost like a mental realization of how you can interact and create things to generate force off of and pivot your body sort of instantaneously. I like how they described the flying, because usually in shows, the flying character already pretty much knows how to fly, and they don't go into the physics of it, but um, when he was getting trained by his dad, his dad was like, oh, we can create our own surfaces to push off of. 
So basically, like, you can... Yeah, I mean, that uh, basically says all I was going to say, but you can raise yourself by creating kind of this invisible surface below your feet or have kind of an incline that you push off of. And the falling is like peeing your pants on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) Super bizarre ways of explaining it. But yeah, it wasn't just they magically levitate or whatever. It's... There was... I say physics loosely because obviously people can't just float into the air and like break the sound barrier. But um, it makes you wonder like how does, because like the immortal can fly too. Is it like the same thing or is there, he's got some weird like cosmic kind of power going on, but uh, that's a different character. Anyways, so Mark, we we already kind of talked about him a little bit, but you know, he's the stereotypical high school kid you know, trying to find himself, and he is a big dork. I mean, like, he reads a lot of comics, wants to be like his dad, who he knows is a superhero. They don't really explain what his, like, school life was like before getting powers. I guess it's kind of implied he was bullied. Kind of. Well, like, there's one instance of it, and that was because he was, he got in, like, the middle of the bully with Amber. But it's hard to believe that he wouldn't put himself in those situations prior to the moments that we're seeing in the show because at that point he still doesn't have any powers that's true that's a good point i guess he was just like a big dork who you know read comics and have a girlfriend got bullied and then you know he gets these powers and then he you know he gets a girlfriend with amber and can't really seem to make any of it work He seems to get instantly popular when Eve starts giving him attention, too. Some of the relationships are a little bit weird to me, because, like, you only ever see him interact with, like, each other basically in private. Like, at max, the four of them with Amber, Mark, Adam, Eve, and William. Occasionally there's, like, uh, you know, somebody else popping in, like Rick from the uh, college episode, but... Other than that, it's really just the four of them, and, you know, who, who knows how he would interact with, like, other high schoolers, but was there anything you guys wanted to add? I think one of the kind of emotional turning points early on was when those aliens came and attacked the Earth. When, yeah, when, when his dad the was... The flax seeds. Flax seeds, yeah. The flax seeds, When yeah. they... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, when they invaded earth the first time and mark was kind of on his own at first he tried to save this old woman and he did end up getting her to this you know secret hospital where they're keeping his dad and he is very preoccupied with how she's doing and if she's gonna make it and it turns out that she doesn't and i think that was his first experience where he feels responsible for someone's life right it was basically like yeah his his first death Because he wasn't, like, ready, I guess, or it showed how unprepared he was for what being a superhero actually was. It wasn't just you appear at the perfect time, punch out the villain, and then, you know, everyone's saved. Mark just trying to save her itself kind of messed her up because, you know, he's super strong and he's flying and he's bumping into stuff. And, you know, she got injured because of that. And he felt guilty that he wasn't good enough or prepared enough to, one, stop the aliens alone, and two, able to protect one woman. And I think you could almost argue that, unfortunately, because he was trying to fly her out of that cluster, 
he really was the the reason why she was fatally wounded. She was a little banged up beforehand, but after that crash landing, it was pretty much over for her. And I think, too, that that optimism is mostly due to Omni-Man being his father, as far as him thinking that, oh, I can take on this bully, or this isn't the worst thing that the world has to offer, so I don't care if, you know, I get a few bruises, and... I think his dad's also kind of to blame for him not being fully prepared psychologically to understand that there are a lot of variables in any situation where you're having to be a superhero. So I, I think that we're shown early on that his dad tells him his identity and says that he comes from another planet, etc. But I don't know if he ever has another conversation or a, a series really of talks where he kind of breaks down the way in which he is a superhero, how he performs those duties, the the different risks that might not be coming towards him personally, but that can affect civilians and anybody around that that area that that the the battle's taking place. So it's a, a bit of a double-edged sword because on one hand, it's it's like he didn't want to tell him anything until he got his powers, really, or he wanted to wait to see if that would be even applicable because if you have this son who ultimately does not develop any powers then the point of explaining what life as a superhero is like to him doesn't really make much sense but at the same point in time there had to be instances where he saw his father badly injured because debbie says that when omni man is in this secret hospital after fighting the guardians that she's patched him up hundreds of times and and knows what to do so to believe that mark never saw any of that seems impossible so i would think that he would have a, a bit more of a an appreciation for what those powers give you but also burden you with it's not just like you were saying how it is on tv it's not oh i saved the day it was no big deal there's always a consequence and i think even in Omni-Man's case, that can never be really avoided. There's always going to be injury, there's going to be physical damage to the, the either uh, the city or whatever landscape that they happen to be fighting on, so you can't avoid those things. The expectations that Mark has because of his father just being Omni-Man are like way high with him supposed to be this unstoppable, like, superpower, like, literally, that even when he screws up, it's like, I have all this, and I still wasn't able to save this one person. Um, yeah, and, like, you're right. Omni-Man really doesn't teach Mark what it means to be a superhero until it's basically, like, too late. Like, they, I, think it's, I think it's the first episode when uh, Mark goes to stop that bank robbery with Titan, the guy that can, like, make his body concrete. And he's, like, throwing him into buildings and, like, damaging the street and throwing him into the, you know, like, cars and stuff. That the first thing Omni-Man says is, like, you cause a lot more damage than you needed to. And Mark does that further on where he throws... I think it was like some weird like wolf cat woman thing into part of a building and it breaks and then the apartment starts falling and he has to like hoist it up so it doesn't topple over. Just pretty careless, you know, still figuring out how to like do the best way possible to save people. Like in comparison to Black Samson, who is 
a member of the new Guardians of the Globe and at one point was an old member of the Guardians of the Globe before he got kicked out because he lost his powers. Um, you see what it means for him to be a superhero where he literally breaks down every moment of a fight and how they screwed up and how they didn't save the maximum amount of lives and injuries possible with like stopping a bus or slowing down a bus so someone else could like not working as a team and he takes it very seriously when Mark possibly because of Omni-Man is like I don't have to worry about that stuff um like this way still it is a good sort of training montage and there's there's good insight that we get as an, an audience um as things go on and I think one of the uh, moments that I didn't really understand, I, I didn't catch it the first time I saw, but I think it's in the second or third episode in the opening where the security guard from the very beginning is with his stepson and they're right in front of Buckingham Palace and some object comes flying through the air. I didn't realize it was the trash can or trash bag oh. that Mark had thrown in where when he initially realizes he's, he has powers, the, the trash bag full of hamburgers and, and french fries. And I think that was the second episode because, yeah, I did forget about that. I didn't know what that like meant, like why is there hamburger meat? But it shows like all the hamburger meat on the ground and then it cuts to like the murder scene at the Guardians of the Globe with, um, I think it was Aquarius who, you know, no longer has a head. Very ground beef-esque. That's, that's really cool. I was wondering that when I saw that episode again, I'm like, where'd that bag go? So technically Mark was in- incorrect in saying that he threw it into space because if he did, it wouldn't have come back down like that. Makes you wonder, that must be a really tough trash bag that it like survived that whole journey and just like explode. So... What kind of trash bags are we dealing with in this universe? Really makes you think. Really important stuff. Although the those the first one was leaking pretty bad when he when he put it in into the dumpster, so I, I don't know if they're kind of playing fast and loose with the <laughs> the quality here of the of the bag. Maybe but, it was double. Uh, no, it wasn't because it was leaking. Um, or the rat that was apparently there were rats in the restaurant bit a hole in the bag. You know, it's uh. This is the lore that I want to know. Let's move on to Omni-Man, unless anybody else had any last comments on Mark. I did have one last comment, and it was just um, more of a generalization of, you know, the coming-of-age teenager superhero trope of him realizing that his actions have consequences. Like, you can't just throw people around, throw things around, because you're going to destroy property so you're you're learning that there are permanent ramifications for the things you do and your parents can't help you out of a situation and they might have seemed like superheroes when you were younger but they're not always going to be around and they can't always fix your problems or sometimes they watch a giant space cat with a mace uh implode your chest while flying i will say the one thing that was a little bit frustrating or this is somewhat off topic, but there's never any explanation for the origin of these different handheld weapons, like the 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 mace that Warrior Woman has. We don't know what that's made of, if that's significant or if it's just stone. That the mace that the cat I, I forget if it, that character is given a name, but which, which one? The big cat guy. Oh, Battle Beast. Battle Beast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Maybe they'll get into that more. I think it's 
it's know. negligible, but yeah, you know, I've it, I've heard that he's a big villain in the series. Yeah, makes he, sense. He's a big deal. I think there's a lot of people like he's the only one that could take on Omni Man, which maybe he could because you know he's, he's the, the only power of furries. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is interesting. I just passed away. Oh no, <laughs> we're, we're all dead now. Walker's right. us all. <laughs> Battle Beast is the only other character aside from Omni Man that like brutalizes like the people he fights. So it's an interesting comparison because you know he breaks Black Samson's arm. Chris, you can just call him Samson. <laughs> oh man, you're killing me! You're killing me, man! <laughs> I Why wonder... did they call him Black Samson? Yeah, I, I thought it was weird too. It's like what were his powers originally? I, I was. Uh... Very lost on Did he that. lose his powers because he doesn't have hair anymore? Like the biblical right. Samson? That's yeah. what I thought it was. Was it like a like a hair thing? Or is his name just Samson? Um, you know, why is it important that he's black? Like, why black Samson? Like, there's so many questions I have. It's kind of like Black Panther. But Black Panther, it was supposed to be like the Black Panthers. Right. Oh, shit. I never really, like, put that together. Woof. Anyways. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Battle Beast crushes... Uh, Monster Girl's head with rocks and then, you know, implodes Mark's chest, you know. So, pretty crazy stuff. But speaking of Omni-Man, uh, let's move on to him. Earth's mightiest hero. Uh, strongest single person on the planet. Gotta say, J.K. Simmons was a fantastic choice to voice act. Yeah, he did, he did a really good job. In fact, all the voice actors, I think, in this show did a really, really good job. Um, the casting was pretty on point. Omni-Man, uh, Viltrumite, led to believe that he's like a protector of the planet. Then he flips that and weakens Earth to prepare it for invasion or conquering of the Viltrumite Empire. At first, it seems like he's a pretty good dad with Mark. At some points, there are moments of him being pretty explosive. So, Omni-Man, not, not really a great guy, as we find out. We think, you know, there's got to be some good reason for what he does. But as we go, you know, there really isn't. So He thinks it's a good reason, but generally speaking, it does not coincide with any version of morality. No, it really seems like it's just a, basically a job placement for him. He's just doing it because, like he says, he's loyal to Viltrum. There's really no other reason that he's doing this. It's not It's not personal reasons. It's not revenge. It's not he himself wants to conquer. It's because his people want to conquer. He's not a great guy. I'm going to be brave to say. Thank you, Chris. You, you, now you've opened the door for us to have an appropriate discussion. In all seriousness, it's kind of odd that he would feel the need to expend any kind of energy to dispatch the Guardians of the Globe, because once the backup, I guess, from Viltrum comes, then couldn't they deal with that then? I, I don't really understand the logic there. Yeah, I was wondering that too. If one Viltrumite was able to basically, if he wanted to, destroy the Earth, what difference does it make to weaken the planet? Because, you know, they didn't really do a great job of stopping him alone. And there's like a whole population of other hymns, you know? Um, yeah, I, I had that same... Maybe a little explain it. Maybe there's some like weird, like honor-based like system or something. I don't know. Um, 
but it seems all very rigid in do this for strength, and if you're not willing to comply, you're donezo. Yeah, and it's not like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where this alien race has a, a somewhat justifiable reason for getting rid of Earth. You know, they, they need it to make room for their interstellar highway. I mean, that makes sense. But Viltrum and the Viltrumites, they're just doing it for, what, domination? They, they don't live, or they're not neighboring Earth, really. So what is it to say, oh yeah, we conquered this planet who are you going to tell tell that to? What does it matter in the grand scheme of things, really? So they just want to prove they're better, is what I think. Grand empire, but you know, once you have that, what else, you know, is there? That last episode, it's it's very apparent that they're Viltrum and the Viltrumites, the the ones that survived the genocide, they view any any life form as a thousand notches below them on the general hierarchy. So it's just. It's hard to understand how Omni-Man could maintain this facade for such a long time. I think I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. But, it, you know, once once his, his true self is fully out there, it, it really is, um, when you think about it, difficult to, to wrap your head around. I think the only way that you can understand it is because he's immortal and it doesn't seem like a long time to him to keep it up. Because he was saying, even when he was trying to rationalize it to Mark, he's like, well, everyone that you think you love, like your mom and your friends, they're going to die and you're still going to be here. So you can't have an attachment and time to, isn't going to mean the same thing to you later on. So I think to put up a, you know, 17 year facade or, you know, maybe a little longer because he was married before he had a kid, 20 years maybe um, of pretending to love someone or, you know, be fond of them like a pet because they're going to die in your lifetime more than likely. Um, well, it's guaranteed, but... Well, no, I mean, you can outlive a... Or you can die before your pet. Oh, no, like, I God thought... willing, you don't, but... <laughs> no, I, I, thought you, I, I thought you meant from Mark, no, Mark's no, no, perspective yeah. as far... But yeah. yeah, no, I just meant more in the metaphor of more than likely you're going to... Your pet's going to die in your lifetime, and that's you i guess you would mourn uh, uh, now i'm getting too deep into the metaphor but um <laughs> that's the problem you, you can't i know uh. but that's what i'm saying like i think it's hard to wrap your head around if he w had you know a hundred year lifespan and 20 of that was spent pretending that sounds impossible unless you're a complete sociopath right yeah he says it's a speck of like a viltrumite's lifetime and you know as he says he can always start again which that whole big segment, if true yes <laughs> big if true um but i do it, it is so weird like i don't know if it's more of a like the viltrumite as like a people or omni-man in particular but he has like these weirdly tender moments sure it could just be like compartmentalized um but like when they have the flashback with Mark playing baseball, was he just acting? Like, why even bother? Like, he could have just been super distant father that didn't care. Or did he actually care? Or Yeah, he got genuinely excited when Mark made a play. And it was like, well, what what is this? How, how can you tell me? I don't know. It, it's, it's just... I mean, I guess there are people like that, you know, a, a true sociopath, but it is just very difficult to to understand that. So I was watching that scene through uh, some tears, so yeah. I, I was a little blurry at that. Oh I'm no! Not sure. It was a really like sad scene, which is oh, it was, it was tough. Which is kind of why it's a bummer that the think Mark think became a meme because it's such a 
huge moment. Yeah, it's like, you guys are ruining it. Honestly, like, fine, you're, some of these are funny, but what are you doing? Find, find anything else, because that, that is not the vibe here. I mean, that's just the internet in general. Everyone I likes know. to be like, oh, this didn't affect me. What are you, a baby? Let me, let me meme the crap out of something that's Or I, I'm uncomfortable upsetting. to admit that this gave me feelings, so I'm going <laughs> to just boom flip it. Walker hates memes, everybody. Let it be known. No, but that no, meme. I hate I, that meme. I hate that meme. No, I do agree, because it did... Like, yes, you know, the, the internet is the internet and is pretty apathetic about a lot of things. But it did a disservice to the scene with how, like, impactful it is for, like, the viewer and the characters involved. It is weird that Omni-Man, you know, claims he's... None of this matters or that he's so much better that... You know, it's all just part of his, like, Viltrumate agenda. But then, like, why even bothered playing any of these, like, societal roles of having a secret identity, of, like, marrying somebody? Why did he have to have a kid? Like, I don't, like, why did he have to ingrain himself in the society? He could have just, you know, squ- I don't know. Like, I guess he was saying that he wanted to convince Earth to join Viltrum, so they didn't resist. But like, like you were saying, Walker, he could have destroyed Earth if he wanted to. So like, why even go through all the trouble? Right, and and having offspring. If you're a being that I don't know that they're necessarily immortal, but time is definitely a different force on them. It it's it's got uh, less impact, obviously, than it does on on a human. And the chance that your son would even have his lifespan cut in half from what's normal for your people, because he's he's part human, I would imagine that plays into a, effect. Omni Man does say he's basically full blooded. Um, I don't know if that like I don't know two percent or whatever makes a difference. Yeah, but that's not how genes work. You get half your genes from your mom, half your genes from your dad, you put them together. But your dad that's isn't disgusting. generally, like, <laughs> I thought storks were involved. What happened to the storks? Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. No, forget that. Forget that. Oh, okay. Like, Santa Claus is good, though, too, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, he's he's real, yep. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Um, I would hate for that to be spoiled. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, yeah, I think... That, that was basically Omni-Man. Um, was there any... Can we please talk about Debbie, because I have some things to say? Yeah, that was the next I, character. She says my favorite line of the show, I think. Next character, Debbie Grayson. Um, let me just... Quick setup. Debbie Grayson, mother of Mark, uh, wife of Omni-Man, and real estate extraordinaire. Which leads us to uh, my favorite line, where she says that... I don't have the exact quote, but she's kind of... She's saying, like, oh, I'm somewhat of a super hero myself i sold a house today for like over asking and there was a double homicide (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's really good and um that was a really great change from the comics because she's pretty milk toast in the comics she doesn't have a lot of personality from what i've heard i haven't read the comics i didn't want to get spoiled for the show because there are some big differences um yeah debbie at the beginning of the comics doesn't have a lot going on and then she develops her personality but debbie in the show has personality from the get-go and she's like a no-nonsense businesswoman but is still like 
really the moral compass for Mark. It's like Omni-Man is the dark, like, Viltrumite side, and Debbie is the good humanity side of Mark, which is, you know, kind of obvious, but it's pretty symbolic of the choices that Mark listens to Debbie or listens to his dad, and that kind of shows, like, which way he's leaning in terms of loyalties. Well, Debbie has a lot of compassion, too, with the girlfriend of Red Rush, um, because she's pretty much inconsolable from the time of his death onward, and Debbie helps her sell her house and comforts her throughout the series in different uh, kind of... When they cut to her plotline, it's usually her caring for Mark or caring for um, this woman, or, you know, just being a badass saleswoman. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's really strong-willed and, yeah, is super compassionate. Helping Olga and really wants Mark to be his own person instead of, at that point, following his dad's footsteps and she says multiple times you know everyone's going to tell you what kind of superhero to be or what the right thing to do is but you have to figure it out for yourself it's just a really refreshing uh character it between everyone else being you know super powered and then having that confidence because of that but Debbie is confident despite all that. And she's pretty demystified by the entire situation. Like, Mark comes home all bruised up and talks about something. She's like, oh, yeah, just another day. Yeah, when Omni-Man is on the Flex Seed um, planet and Mark's, like, really worried and, like, oh, God, Dad, Dad's gone. And Debbie's like, oh, I guess we're not having dinner with him till later, you know? And when she's taken to that um, facility, is it in the Pentagon or underneath i think or like existing in the same realm but like in a different plane there's a lot of weird stuff going on but more or less like the guy taking her to where they needed to go was kind of giving a a tour and she's like yeah uh we're not here for the tour we're just trying to get to our destination thanks like you can just be quiet now like this doesn't impress me much i'm not interested i'm just trying to get my answers please yeah i i I really like that and like when mark's discovering his powers for the first time and he's like training outside and debbie who's still like his mom is like come inside it's late and mark says make me and all she says does that make you feel strong you know so like she knows the physical differences but she's still not a pushover regardless and she's the only one that tells omni-man to f off no one else in the entire series would even have the balls to do that but she does she's got the ovaries she's got the ovaries (laughs) right yeah that that quote that you pulled out chris yeah the the question of point blank asking mark sort of putting a mirror up to things to say well, does that make you feel strong, knowing that I physically can't make you do anything? Is that important to you? Is that what having these powers means? Uh, seems like a, a sentiment that really should have gotten drilled into Omni-Man's head, and for whatever reason, uh, that didn't happen. But, uh, no, I, I think she really adds to the overall family dynamic. She isn't just wallpaper. Um, and this not really important but correct me if i'm wrong uh the sandra is it sandra sandra oh. sandra oh she was on Grey's anatomy mm-hmm. okay okay just making sure that's where i i knew her from but um she's yeah, great in that a, too did a great job uh with the character i think that your your description chris the uh emphasis really should be put on uh real estate agent extraordinaire because <laughs> she has to be making some serious moves based on the the house that they're living in 
Because you know, I, I mean, let's be real. Omni-Man getting a paycheck from who? True. Really? Also, Omni-Man's secret identity, Nolan, he's like a travel book salesman or something. I don't really know what that was about. But they mention it later on that he's got income coming from that too. But she's got to be killing it if she sold a house with a double homicide. Like, come on. She's really a nice departure from the comics. Um, She is the one to kind of piece together what's going on with Omni-Man and the murder of the Guardians after Damien Darkblood kind of breaks the ice to her and after he gets banished and she puts the dots together and ultimately confronts Omni-Man about it too, which also kicks off the last episode. Um, Yeah. And in the just a quick difference in the comics was she had zero idea of what was going on until Omni Man confessed, basically. So good like characterization changes before that. So did the detective not clue her in on what was going on? Because uh, uh, Demon Detective Grace. I love that. I want um, a series just on him. I like him because so he's a detective and a demon and it's basically like he's just renting out his time like he can leave hell if he's doing an investigation but he never seemed to put be human which is interesting because my assumption was always that at some point a demon was once a human being am i wrong to no i don't think so no i think it's like angels right but aren't i think this universe might be different angels versus like people that have died that then go to heaven are they not angels too no they're not See, I don't know how this all works. <laughs> Read you the Bible, Walker. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've done a little bit. I've skimmed it. And, oh, okay. Skims uh, it. Not my thing. <laughs> it's just a oh. list of names. <laughs> just, who's this Mark guy? Um, anyways. <laughs> Kingdom of Heaven? What's that all about? <laughs> no, yeah. Angels are beings. Demons are beings. And then, like, dead souls are dead souls. Yeah, aren't demons, like, literally fallen angels? Yes. Yes, Satan that, is right, right. But I, well, but I think that also they're they're the ones that sided with him. They're all the fallen yes. angels that sided with Lucifer and that whole mutiny. Or yeah, but now we're just getting into from. Paradise Lost. Which <laughs> gets confusing because, you know, that obviously based on our um, first episode, I don't know much about that series. But or no, not Paradise Lost. Oh, I was getting confused. So I was in a class that we read Dante's Inferno right after Paradise Lost. So I get them confused. No, Paradise Lost, Adam and Eve, really solely expanding upon that idea, and then Dante's Inferno, it's hell. But you know, if you if you watch Angels in the Outfield, they're oh human people God, that are spirits and or angels that are that are helping people with baseball. Okay, so let me just talk about that. Who's confused in the narrative there now? Huh? I have no is idea that, what's going me? on anymore. I have lost control of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but but really though, the you know media kind of plays fast and loose with what an angel is. It, it kind of yeah. categorizes it depending on how it wants things to be. And like, wait, this- when Tom and Jerry die, they get angel wings and have halos. So wait, what is happening? Yeah. Whenever a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So if I just match a bell, does like a bunch of angels get? you know, their wings. My thought was that a, a human who went to heaven could be potentially promoted to an angel. And then... Did you read, like, Heaven's, like, corporate manual? No, but to, it just... My my idea of, of things. Because, like, if you're in, once you're in Heaven, what are you going to do? you got to get more 
uh, as as the the great people of 4chan say, good boy points to get closer to God because you always want to be closer to God and you're still, even if you're in heaven, you're not that close to God. So to get closer to him, you become one of his lieutenants, a.k.a. an angel. From there, you know, you get... Because saints aren't even angels. Well, saints are... Saints Saints are different because... It, it, it's that's, all fake anyway. I know, but it, it's, oh. it's sort of... It, it's different. It's a different sort of... Even from that, but... Anyway. Remember when we were talking about Invincible? I don't. <laughs> I don't either. What happened? Where, where are don't, we now? Don't what happened us. <laughs> Do not what happened us. Who? How dare you. Um, Mark who? Who's Omni-Man? Anyways. Um, but De- Debbie's great. I'm glad that, that they wrote her character the way that they did. And that's that's pretty much wraps up what I had to say about her. Great. If I could put a bow on it. <laughs> Great Thanks. tiny little bow. But to answer your question, Grace, about didn't Damien warn her in the comics, Damien Darkblood is actually a super minor character in the comics to the point of Ooh. being a joke character. Like, he's literally written off as a joke. So big, good changes. Also, okay, Damien Darkblood voiced by Clancy Brown, voice of Mr. Krabs. 10 out of 10. He did oh, a really fantastic. good job, too. Yes. What? Well, Thank yeah. God Walker didn't know that. <laughs> when we were watching it. Yep. Yeah, I, I would have done the voice. You're yeah. right. Then Thanks I'm sorry. for saving that tidbit, Chris. I'm sorry that you didn't know earlier, but thank you, or you're welcome to you, Grace, that you didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah I no. already deal with his Mr. Krabs impressions for no... With oh, no... Oh, uh, goodness. No, I will answer the phone and say, Ahoy, SpongeBob! You will not. I will, I swear to God. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, but Yeah, you can answer Chris's calls like that. Not I, I encourage I Chris. It. I don't I don't call Chris, I text him, so I'd have to type it. Well it I might have to impactful. I might have to call Walker more often. I'd have to put an asterisk case. and say in Mr. Krabs' voice. <laughs> Lame. Can't you send Pass. voice text messages? I could. That, that's that's a pain in the ass. Okay, whatever. Fine. But yeah, no, Damien Darkblood is a joke character in the comics. He seems to kind of be inspired by, like, a mixture of Rorschach from um, Watchmen and Hellboy. Um, but yeah, no, in the comics, he has maybe, like, one appearance for, like, one panel. Like, every other comic issue, if that. And it's funny, in the comics, he... Is trying to intimidate the secretary of the Pent- Pentagon or something, saying, "Look, I'm really close to uncovering who murdered the Guardians of the Globe." And the secretary just laughs, says, "Omni Man admitted that two weeks ago." Oh no! <laughs> so he's like a big loser, but it's pretty wow. funny. And um, yeah, so obviously they went a way different route in the show. He like, you know, clues in Debbie. And it seems like the creator himself, Robert Kirkman, kind of has plans for Damien later on. The one unfortunate thing about just generally the the character design is his outfit is not doing any favors. I do not care for that. What is... Overcoat, hat, fine, I guess. The weird leotard thing going on. He's a little, you know, all all bodies are beautiful, but like, why is he wearing something so tight with... He looks like an egg. He looks like a guy. Let's just say looks it. like an egg. He's supposed to be this <laughs> literal demon mm-hmm. who it lowers the temperature of any room that he steps in, and he comes out looking like uh, Humpty Dumpty. You know, <laughs> Humpty Dumpty. I gotta look him up again. That yeah, you know he 
that has it. Why does he even have the trench coat and hat? You know, for the vibes. His his design is a lot better, I think, in the show than in the comics. He's got like kind of a pig nose thing going on in the comics and like like orc or, orc fangs. Um, but yeah, I, I had an issue with the co- the the costume too. Does he have horns in the comics or not? Yeah, I don't think we ever really see. He has like he's got like the chin horns, but that's only in the show. In the comics, he's got that uh, the leotard thing kind of covering his chin and like his head too. No, he's a big dork in the the comics. Um, Unfortunate. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm happy they went a different route with him in the show because he's a, he's a cool character. I mean, as a demon, traditionally you have sort of access to a more supernatural energy stream. I guess is a way to to phrase it, or sort of you gain some kind of a little bit of mysticism because it seems like traditionally you would have either the ability of premonition or uh, a more keen understanding of your surroundings type of thing and if he's just made it into a joke for the comics i think that the the show does the right thing in, in giving more of those characteristics as opposed to just poking fun at him having that like clairvoyance with like tasting blood or touching blood and seeing like glimpses of the past or what happened to that person um and then he is like he's got a really cool like aesthetic right where like he lowers the temperature of the room like i'm not sure who was saying it you grace or walker but lowers the temperature of the room and um then could just like disappear you know he he becomes a more opposing force to omni-man who seems to be a little bit threatened by him to be perfectly honest yeah, if not threatened, just generally put off. You know, he's he's not comfortable, which is interesting, yeah. Omni-Man straight up threatens Damien, and he basically says, well, then do it. You know, he's, like, not scared, which I think most other people would be, you know, shitting their pants a bit, you know? No, he knows where he's going. He, he'll just go back to hell. Yeah, he's like, no big I, deal. I, yeah. I've literally been to hell. I was born there. Well... I guess we kind of moved past Debbie. Um, was there anything you guys wanted to talk about Debbie or Damien at all more? No, I think we can keep going. Okay. Move on. Um, next up would be Amber Bennett, uh, voiced by Zazie Beetz, and uh, Mark's love interest for the majority of the season. Um, like I said in the comics, she was a blonde, white, blue-eyed girl, and they changed her be black in the show and added a lot to her character she was basically just there in the comics to be like a wedge between mark and uh adam eve who we'll talk about in a little bit in the show she is very strong-willed kind of like debbie no nonsense knows who she is knows what she wants and uh, helps people. There are some controversies with her, though, that I'm going to touch on real quick with, like, her relationship with Mark and the sixth episode when they go to the university and she breaks up with him when Mark, quote-unquote, disappears to become invincible and fight the the cyborg zombie guy. And she gets mad that he, like, disappeared and left them alone in the next episode, Mark explains to her and comes out saying, I'm invincible. I'm a superhero. This is where I've been. This is why I'm always late. This is why I don't show sometimes. And in the comics, she's like 
oh wow, thank you for trusting me. Like I understand. But in the show, she's like, like I care. You lied to me. Right. It's like, oh, that wasn't good enough. Didn't she say like, oh yeah, I already knew that. Yeah, she she straight up says I figured it out for weeks. But you never told me until now. Right. Not to like excuse Mark, because yeah, he was still being shitty. He should have told her earlier or just cut ties earlier and not string her along, which Adam Eve says to him. But the previous episode where she is like, I was wrong about you. Where did you go? Like, what do you mean? You knew that he had to go change to help you and everyone else from dying from a cyborg zombie. So I don't know if that's so much a reflection of the character as like the writing, because it's basically a plot hole. There's an error in the writing because a rational person wouldn't think that way. And she's not irrational. She's not stupid. It's almost like a, a cheat code for creating drama in your superhero story. You always have that in your back pocket. You can do, honestly, just the same thing with a superhero identity versus a civilian identity and who that character decides to keep those two things separate from and just have it be that eventually it comes out. But in this case, to make it that she knows and she's more upset that he didn't tell her sooner is a little weird. It's a it's a real shame, though, because I really liked her character up until that line that I knew for weeks. Before that, I was completely on her side. I was like, I'd be mad too. Anybody would be mad. But just the fact that she knew, it like it doesn't make sense. And I think the internet, from what I've seen, stopped liking her character at that moment as well. Because it really just doesn't make sense. And it, it all could have been avoided if instead of her knowing, she didn't know, but she was still mad. You know, like, that's still reasonable that, oh, okay, thank you for telling me, but you still lied to me. And, like, you know, I think they've been together for, like, I think it's been almost, like, half a year or something. So, you know, he's been doing that for some time. And, yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate because it gave her so much depth to then just kind of ruin her character at the final stretch. To me, she isn't really written as a teenager. It's more adult, and that's the problem, because in that moment, it's very much an adolescent reaction, I think. It's not very mature, I guess, is really what I'm trying to to get at. And in any other situation where, hypothetically, let's say you have a plot line where you have a character who's in a relationship, and they don't cook very well, and they decide to secretly take all these classes about cooking to finally one day impress their partner with a fantastic meal. And that happens, and then they, they enjoy the meal. There, there's a lot of, you know, good vibes going on, and, and the other person says, oh, I, I knew you've been doing this for X amount of time. I saw, I don't know, a flyer or something in your backpack or whatever. I don't know. But a fly? Flyer. Not a fly. Oh, flyer. I heard flyer. Yeah, a, a pamphlet or something. Uh, fly. <laughs> like, is this a ratatouille situation? Yeah, but, but, you know, you know what I mean. It's it's like the the he doesn't necessarily have the ability to immediately provide positive impact on her in that moment when he admits what's going on. But he's already shown that he's able to protect her in that way. So in that sense, obviously, it's it's difficult to be with somebody who is a superhero because a lot of times they are 
fallible. They they can be killed and injured. Like what happens with Red Rush's like wife or significant other that the one time she trusts him is the one time that you know like he doesn't come back home. Exactly. So in that case, she she can ex- be more comfortable with the fact that he's at least tougher or more durable. I guess is a way to put it. But to to be so petty as to say you just you didn't tell me, even though like I said he he's had all these moments where he's had to protect her just because of his two identities clashing and and the the different evils I guess uh, trying to encroach on his civilian life. It's it's just so so selfish in a way, and it 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 really is unfortunate. Like you said, it's it's a turning point that that is hard to to justify in her character. Yeah, the writers, it's just like a misguided attempt to like continue to subvert expectations because like the whole you're ignoring me, you have a secret thing is played out. So they were like, okay, well, how do we make this different? But they didn't make it different enough. They just shoehorned something that doesn't make any sense into it. I think they just wanted to like maybe empower her or make her more smart. Sure. I think that was the idea was to make her intelligent enough to have figured that out. It's like they want to have their cake and eat it too kind of thing where it's like we want her to be the smartest person in the room we want her to have everything figured out she like walker said she's way more adults than all of them way more mature but at the same time has like these juvenile reactions and has to have she has to bring some sort of tension to the situation and really mark is one of the only superheroes that tries to conceal his his actual face Okay, real quick, on Omni-Man, how did nobody know that that was Mark's dad? It's his, he doesn't even have like an eye mask, it's his straight up face. The only thing that we get is Adam Eve saying, oh, if you're not, really the, the concept of if you're not expecting a superhero, you're not, you're not going to really recognize it. But it, it's just such a, it's a hollow statement. There's no, there's nothing, no substance to that. Yeah, that was really, really lame. I was like, really? That's what you're going to go with? Because, I mean, she... Looks exactly the same. Mark recognized her in a second. Yeah, what, does she just avoid wearing pink at school? Is that the the big move? (laughs) Right. Sorry to cut you off, but I was just like, there's no way that William wouldn't have put that together years ago. Right, especially because I think William even has like a passing thing of like, oh yeah, Omni-Man's hot. It's like... And that mustache. Who has that same mustache guy? Who has the same haircut? Hairstyle, hair color, those Voice. piercing eyes, dude. Those piercing eyeballs. Yeah, that butt. I mean, that. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a big. Those butt cheek. Those cheeks on his face. Um, <laughs> well, that was a big thing. Is that uh, I saw Twitter like oogling a lot of the guys in the show because every guy's got like cake. You know, the Mueller yeah. twins. <laughs> Uh, the yes. blue guys who are oh great, yeah. Um, yeah. immortal Omni Man. You know, they, they didn't give. Uh, I don't think his name's Robot, but the robot. They no, I think his name is Robot. Okay, they didn't give him any shape, unfortunately. But you know, no, unfortunately. Voice by Zachary Quinto, by the way. Yeah, yeah. our second uh, appearance of Zachary Quinto. Quinto? Quinto? Quinto with a Q. Yeah, I know, but if, Quizno, if is, like... I think, is how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. My mistake. <laughs> that sub giant that do they they don't exist anymore. No, they're gone. Yeah, pretty awful. I, I, if I'm going to be honest, subway is not much my favorite. Better. It's just you're going to make everything warm. I don't know. 
Nothing like warm tuna. But that was their big draw. We we toast everything. (laughs) Yeah, potbellies does it better. Yeah, potbellies. Truly, truly. Jimmy John's, but they do cold cuts. Right, right. Yeah, Jimmy John's doesn't do hot sandwiches, I don't think. Not to my knowledge, no. Firehouse? Firehouse? I haven't been. Decent. Do they have Penn okay. Station there? No. Or is that a is that an East Coast thing? Penn Station's pretty good. Anyways. Sorry. No. <laughs> it was uh, talking hungry. about lunch. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I liked Amber. I still I have a tougher time liking her now. I don't know about you guys, because... I really think they like soured the bunch. So like with that scene for me, unless they try to like kind of retcon it, but you can't really do that in a show. I don't know how they would make that all right. And then the last episode where she comes in and like kisses Mark and like say like we're back together. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, they they knew how to do it in Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man, and everybody else has failed to, in my mind, do a realistic uh, superhero couple. Yeah, and they write all the other like female characters are all really complex and interesting, and all of their motivations make sense except for Amber. But just that one moment is why it sticks out so much because I think everything around that is a really good, well-rounded character. And and one weird thing I noticed is is really not all that important, but um, both Debbie and Amber have I think Amber has uh, like triangular earrings, and then mm-hmm. uh, Debbie has this like triangular pendant that she wears. Oh. And it, I don't know I don't know why they they did that you know the matching jewelry, but that was a, a, an interesting thing. Probably on purpose. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't think of that. I like Amber. I like her a little bit less now, but a lot better than the comics, Amber, at least depth-wise. Let's move on to Samantha Eve Wilkins or Adam Eve, voiced by Jillian Jacobs. I don't really understand her powers super well. It seems like she could just like manipulate matter in some kind of way. And like It's pink. Chris, that's oh. all you need to know. Her power okay. is pink. Her power is the power of pink. Um, she seems to use her power of pink super well. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because she. It seems like she also uses it for flight as well as producing both barriers and projectiles. It's very. It's there's obviously a lot of different uses, and and it seems like they they thought about how to really make her shine as as more of a integral part of the team because. I think that's why some characters didn't, in my mind, really seem like they fit because their the way that their powers were utilized was maybe not the right way or to a lesser extent it didn't show as much variation. Can you think of an example? Uh, Aquarius, mostly, yeah, yeah. And and also Rexplode, I think that was... Yeah, his power is stupid. He's kind of like Jubilee, I think, from X-Men who everybody doesn't like. She, like, throws... I think she throws like fireworks or something. I like duplicate as a character. That was that was cool. It was mm-hmm. it was really like a uh, <laughs> it, uh, just the way that they designed the costume or the, like the, with the numbering system. It, it made me think of thing one and thing two. But <laughs> either way, it was just it was cool because I think there have been instances of either a comic book par- character written that way or a, a character that is translated into a movie or, or television. But the the way that they were able to animate like. She's trying to, to to multiply and she keeps getting killed, kind of thing. But she's always, you know, just a little bit ahead of of her imminent death. is is kind of interesting. It's almost like having uh, 
I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy, but it, it's just it's just it's cool. It's a a good uh, good power that it's, it hasn't been explored as much. Yeah, I liked her a lot too. Yeah, she was cool. Like it, the moments of people using their powers, like you know, interestingly or like quote correctly, is done really well with like duplicate where you know like her clones get like absolutely like some get cut in half or like oh, eviscerated, electri- yeah. eviscerated and like cut you know like electrocuted and whatnot. But, like, she uses them to, like, vault off of or, like, throw them out of the way or take the hit, you know? I wonder if all of those deaths are still, like, in her psyche. Like, she she has all of them just snapshotted. Like the twins. No, you know, it's not a, it's not a question of her identity because it's, it's like, they're all, she's still one. She even says that straight up, like, we're all the same. Right. So, like... I don't know. It'd be tough to just process. Okay, I just I just got killed here, but you know, the, I'm still the main hub kind of. I don't know. But I, I got really stoned once playing Mario, and I was thinking that exact same thing. I'm like, I wonder if he remembers every time that he dies and he's super traumatized. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> That's a. Uh, there's an interesting. I'm going to talk about anime for a second, so bear with me. Oh, here we go. Brace yourself. All right, you talked about friggin' Angels <laughs> in the kidding, Outfield. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Briefly, Chris, to make a point, but go on. So in the anime My Hero Academia, there's this character called uh, Twice, and he basically has the powers like duplicate to like duplicate himself, and he was like a uh, he was a criminal. He like robbed a bank, and he used a bunch of his clones to do that. And in the moment of having all this wealth and, you know, like, power, basically. All of his clones started fighting amongst each other and started killing each other, trying to, like, you know, get the upper hand. And the survivor now struggles with, am I the real one? Am I the original? Or am I just another clone? And he has, like, this identity crisis. And I know that's not exactly what you were talking about on, like, a profound level like that, Walker, but... You know, I think that's another, like, that's another uh, way to use those. It's a good show, by the way. You guys, I think, might like it. Sounds kind of like a Mr. Meesig situation. Oh. We're going to need to take another break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's super, like, the, the people that they do really well, they do really well. Um, like Mr. Meesig, so can me. Sure, sure. But no, that was, that was good, Chris. I, I appreciate that insight. I think, uh, really, that it's interesting that we don't hear more about her psychology which they might expand upon in the next season because they, they are setting up the new guardians to be like pretty big players so I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes monster girls days are numbered unfortunately right uh or are we not sure about that now well she can become monster baby <laughs> yeah what, what did you mean like her becoming super young walker right that was the the main concern or i don't know about See, because I don't know what the end point is. Like, you become an infant, and then what do you just ultimately poof out of existence? Right. You just become like a cell, and then yeah, you're you're just a, one a single cell, and then you become a a huge monster for I don't know. It's... Yeah, I, I was wondering that too. Um, but it seems like the setup is that robot is gonna try to help her, like cure her like curse or whatever, which is a big thing that I like about this show and universe is that. You know, there's characters like Omni-Man and, you know, like, the Flax Seeds that are, like, just, like, these super-powered aliens. But then there's, like, still magic 
and there's like different dimensions with like Hell and Damien. I don't know if the Flaxums are super powered. I mean, just like a super, they're super in their own way of like, or like the Martians maybe are a better example that they have like transformation abilities and such. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even yes, get into yeah. the Martians. The, but the, the Flaxons just have time on their side, I guess, kind of. It's all relative, but... I guess it kind of works out in their favor a little bit until they go to Earth. So yeah, that, that's just my final thought of like the universe that I was saying was that there are... There's like magic, there's like these cosmic like entities like with the immortal and... Um, yeah, it just makes it the whole universe a lot more fun instead of it just being... Um, I don't know, there's, there's a different vibe about it than for me than with like Marvel or like DC. Um, it feels like these things are truly special um, instead of just being... Maybe because there's so many just human characters that we meet that like the people with powers are truly like super, you know? What did you mean about the immortal... So the immortal, when he's like getting revived by the Mauler twins, they have like these flashbacks, and I guess he was like a barbarian, uh, like Celt or something, uh, way back when. And there's like this big floating orb thing, and I guess it's implied that that's part of the reason why he's immortal, um, and that's why he keeps coming back. And he was some uh, like knight from the Middle Ages, and then he was Abraham Lincoln, and then he was, like, a pretty generic superhero at one point, and then, you know, became the immortal. Got it. Okay, I, f I forgot about that little flashback. Back to Adam Eve. She's kind of like the veteran superhero that's a peer to Mark. Like, Omni-Man's his dad, so, like, that's a different dynamic, but... They go to the same high school, and... yeah. Which is crazy coincidence if you really think about it, that like this whole planet of super beings and she's part of the teen team, I think is what they're called. Um, I wonder what that's inspired by. I don't know. Hmm. It, it's, it sounds original. I, I don't know. It's, it's definitely just completely from scratch, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, you know, she is the same age as Mark. Um, obviously has powers, but has been doing the superhero thing for a long time, but also has the interpersonal knowledge of being able to give Mark, like, relationship advice while also helping him along with his, like, super life. So she makes her, I think, the right decision in dissing herself from her pretty toxic dad um, and Rexplode and, you know, finding herself and doing her own super thing. I forgot about her dad. Yeah. Such a, it's just such a strange mentality to maintain in that specific universe. Right, and when she has pretty objectively a really strong superpower, like, it's not like she throws fireworks or, you know, sure, duplicating is, like, pretty strong, too, in that, right? But at, like, a level, being able to materialize anything she wants is insane. Nothing really compares to that. Right. He, he's acting like she wants to be a carny or something and that there are better things to do with your life. Yeah, with like a universe that has such an established superhero community and like society, you would think it would almost be like for like the boys, um, what's her name? Starlight? It's like there's tryouts and it's a big deal to even be able to try out and be a superhero professionally. 
But yeah, for him to just be like, go to college and, you know, sure, it's like a way scarier line of work. So is being in law enforcement. It seems like the the most close comparison is like, you know, going to Hollywood or being like a pop star or something. Right. Like, I want to be an actor in a family full of doctors and like lawyers. Oh, mm-hmm. nobody liked my Carney idea? No, I like the carny idea. The car- yeah, I wanted to be a carny. You know, like. <laughs> I just mean like his his version of it being like, oh, so um, I, it seemed like he kind of thought it was self indulgent. Yeah. Not that a carny wouldn't be, but <laughs> it's a little bit of a different connotation. I know. I know. One thing I did have to say is her symbol on her chest that has the X is like confused a lot of people and a lot of viewers. Cause she has the the um like I don't I don't know what it's like just like the female sign of like the downwards cross um in the comics and what was supposed to be the design for the show basically at the end of the day it was a uh, animation error um it's supposed to be like the atom rings you know like surrounding uh like the female symbol but the way they simplified it was just making it an X so a lot of people are like does she hate women. Oh, God, that's embarrassing. Unfortunate. So one of the animators had to, like, come out and say, look, it was just supposed to be for further away shots, like, when you wouldn't be able to get the close-up detail, and um, that somehow got finalized into her, like, basic design, which I don't know how that really happened, but you know what happened, and he said it's going to be corrected in further seasons. I see how that um, specific splice dead on without more detail. It, it's it, it's apparent what you were what you were saying, Chris. It can, those could be rings, but there's no depth to the actual symbol, so that's kind of missed. They're just lines. They're not like ellipses or you know. There's only two, and that you know. I don't know why they like, couldn't just add another line. Chris, you're telling me that isn't uh, what, what's that? Is that uh, in the hieroglyph? Is that like a what's the name of that? The like life symbol? The ankh. Yeah, the ankh. Yeah. Oh, so I guess it's not an ankh. No, I know, I know, it's not. But <laughs> isn't it though? That would make no, sense, it's not. right? Is it's it not. not? Okay, no. I don't know. I just wanted to be funny because it's it's somewhat. Well, I think you're onto something. Uh, an ankh has more of a more of a elongated loop it's not as circular yeah but it does have like the cross thing at the oh yeah okay but yeah so you know that's that's the reason that is the way it is interesting little issue there yeah i thought so too that was one thing that i saw a lot of people had issues with with the show was the animation quality at points um it looked like at in certain instances they definitely like cut corners for like when they were flying, it was just like a static image being slid across the screen. Or um, later in like the final episode, there's this shot. I don't remember why, but like a lot of birds die and they're falling from the sky. And it's like the same bird copied in like the frame where it like hits the ground. And it's just like sliding across. So... There were instances of not great animation, but when the animation is good, it's, like, incredible. Like, with the fight scene in the Guardians, or when Omni-Man's destroying the Flex Seed uh, planet, you know? There, there was, like, a lot of cool moments, too. And kind of circling back to Adam Eve, and uh, the unfortunate part is that you don't ever really see her name spelled out, so I didn't know... And if her if the symbol had been correct, it might have been more... 
obvious that it was a t o m not a d a m you know and so i i just kept thinking when i when they said her name i just kept thinking that stupid thing where it's like oh yeah it's adam and eve not adam and steve (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that would not leave my brain but well i had that same thought too i was like why adam like who's adam but no, it's 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 at Tom with a with a big old T. I uh, there was a a couple of kids named Adam in my chemistry class, and there was always confusion as to whether he was being called on or if the the teacher oh, was just my trying to have a conversation. Yeah. Oh boy. Real real fun stuff. Yeah, I bet. Because every once in a while he'd just go hmm, and she she would have to pause and, and explain or just say, "No, I'm not talking to you." That's Adam Eve. In the comics, they have a bit more of a will they, won't they kind of relationship, at least at the beginning, with Mark. It's not meant to be. It's I not, like them. Uh, no, no. There was one scene that made me think that that's what they're where like the route they're going when her and Mark fight uh, Doctor Seismic. I think the guy that like creates earthquakes or whatever. Um, he is like they're talking after the fight, and he's thanking her or something. And she like looks like she leans in, and then he flies away, and then she's kind of just left standing there, like leaning in for a kiss. But maybe, maybe not. And then you know she goes to see where Mark went and talk to him, but he's alone with Amber, and she's like, "Oh, okay, good for him." And then you know, but. Not that that means that's exactly what they're building up to, but it could be. The problem is that he doesn't have the same reaction to being one-on-one with her as he does with Amber. So, it, it, you know, to, to try and, and um, force that or mentally come up with some sort of rationale, I, I think it's not worth it. I'm just glad they made her nice. Because she was the popular girl, and they usually, you know, make them kind of catty and mean and then have a redemption, but they just made her, like, she's popular, but she's also nice. And she also doesn't fight with Amber. There's no, like, crappy cattiness. Like, she went to go to the soup kitchen, and she was kind of inspired by Amber being kind of a humanitarian. So she kind of turned her life around to do that as well. But not in a way where it's like, she was selfish before... And this is character growth. It was just she's getting inspiration from another person. Yeah, sees that as another constructive avenue, yeah. aside from being a superhero. Right, like a, a regular, unpowered woman that, like, inspired her to be, like, the superhero she wants to be. And, you know, like, another peer of hers and somebody in another show that would have been a antagonist, basically, in, like, a love triangle-type uh, relationship. So, yeah, that was really nice. I hate her costume design. I know she designed it, but pink with red hair is like, it bothers me. Like Ariel and the Little Mermaid having a pink dress. It's like, there's a lot of red, you know, too much color going on, but maybe we'll see adjustments. Who knows? But great character, bad costume. Yeah, I had the same reaction as uh, the seismic guy, Dr. Seismic. He was like, oh man, wow, way to enforce gender norms. Look at this costume they put you in. And she's like, I made it! I actually picked this out. This is my design. But it makes sense because her dad is kind of sexist, so she's kind of, you know, being like, I'm a superhero and a woman. And it's going to be, like, in a empowered way, not a, wow, what a surprise kind of way. I don't know. Right. No, I agree. Like, there's a... She could be doing it because she still is, like, a teenager and just trying to get back at her dad at some level because he's super unsupportive. 
The moments with her and the family I thought were really interesting about what like a family that didn't support being a superhero would look like in like an actual instance with her getting upset and it hurting her feelings when her dad said like she ne- he never wanted her to have powers and it was like the worst day of his life when that means so much to her. Obviously there's been a lot of growing up in that short period of time because of her powers i think and and the the way that you have to in that team setting you have to be less of a teenager and and more of a an adult about things because you can't just be out there for yourself so it was kind of like in some x-men storylines where they really did do kind of a parallel of coming out and becoming a superhero and like kind of blurring those lines and kind of seems similar in that respect where um, I'm trying to think, I think maybe Iceman didn't have a good reaction when he like showed his powers for the first time. Oh yeah, there's, with the mutants especially from X-Men, like a lot of them had like explosive reactions to their like powers manifesting. Like there's this one comic uh, with Wolverine, not to get on like a huge tangent, but the character, I don't remember his name, but he basically in his sleep when his powers manifested, killed like the entire town, like where he lived and he had no idea and he woke up and like everyone was dead and had no idea what happened and uh yeah then wolverine shows up because he's the only one that could like heal through the whatever power it was and had to stop him but it, it could potentially be like a really bad scenario so i guess i kind of get that from the dad but it's not like she has hulk powers and like loses her mind she can just like make stuff yeah yeah very green lantern-esque i guess to some extent yeah that's true so i think that was really all the characters i had that i wanted to talk about or i had listed was there anybody that you guys wanted to bring up or we could get to final thoughts oh i was gonna say that um now that we're saying her name over and over again adam eve would be like a cool non-binary superhero name yeah that's what i that's why i i thought and kind of i had that thought too when they introduced the character i was wondering okay well what what's going to happen here but uh, that was not the case. Uh, you know, it's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, and then I saw her costume. I'm like, nope, she's yeah. all woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is very clearly on her right. chest. You're, yeah, you're hiding nothing there. So she's got her gender identity figured out, locked mm-hmm. down. I wouldn't be surprised if they they do make some kind of change like that for like discovering herself is what she's kind of doing right now. Maybe that's a route they'll go. Not saying they should or shouldn't, but you know, it's possible with all the other. Uh, character changes that they've made in the show from the comics. I, I will I will say, I know I keep uh, dunking on Aquarius, but <laughs> he seemed to be the most lonely because when everybody's called to the, the big sort of final fight, he, he just, he's like, yeah, he's sitting there on his, his little throne and kind of falling asleep and his little, uh, little wristband goes off and he just says, oh, finally, some action. <laughs> I, I like, it was a booty call. Right. 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 Yeah, I was like, oh, finally. Um, oh, wrong app. Yeah, the whale that's been dodging <laughs> for 10 months now, finally. Oh, man. Well, it seems like he had, like, some kind of family because they, they show up to the wedding. So where the heck were they? Or, sorry. The that's wedding. the total, total opposite of what oh, that was. Yeah, the, you're either you're the have a wedding or what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, a funeral. That's a funeral. That, yeah. Easy mix-up. Super similar. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> the funeral. Yeah, Aquarius was like and even like the show kind of shit on him a little bit because like with red rush's character moment when he's talking to olga 
he basically bullies Aquarius, apparently. It's like, you know, he's a fish. Like, do you have to be so mean to him? It's like, oh, man. It's rough. Rough being a fish guy, I guess. Do we have time to talk at all about William? I mean, they did technically give him an entire episode, which I thought was nice. Yeah, uh, we could talk about William a little bit. He's voiced by the guy who plays also the gay character at Big Mouth. Oh, Andrew Rannells. Where do I know him from? He's also from Girls. Ah, that was where I knew him from. Mostly, I, I just wanted to talk about the fact that it was nice to see that the best friend didn't necessarily become over-involved in Mark's superhero identity. You know, I was thinking of recently with what they did with the Spider-Man films and, um, I forget, was it Ned? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember his name, but I, I know who you're talking about. Maybe Ned, maybe not... I, I can't be bothered to, to look that up but <laughs> anyway that character they didn't try to do the same type of thing you know he, he is distinct he has his own ideas about the world and he's not trying to idolize Mark he's not maybe he appreciates what he does he's just like my friend is a superhero and I'm his friend because th- that's the cool thing is like that's the one relationship outside of his family that really, I think, is able to uh, exist beyond whenever they figure out his true identity. You know, he, there's no real... I mean, there is some impact, but it's not negative or or overly uh, uh, positive, I guess, to, to put it. He kind of has the same reaction as Mark's mom of just, like, after the initial shock, he's kind of like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Let's get food. Yeah, he has, like, his own agenda. He has his own life, you know. He's surprised to find out, like you said, but then he's like, well, you still screwed up with Amber. You know, he's very honest and, um, you know, super confident, obviously. At first, I was worried that he was going to be just like another like super flamboyant gay guy, you know, like that kind of trope. But no, he had a lot of depth and um, it, it was fun. It was great to see him beat the crap out of the mad scientist dude in the uh the college episode um yeah that was that was a good ending yeah and then the scene with him after dropping off amber after that trip and uh getting confronted by omni-man yeah like was super tense oh Um, man you know um i was scared yeah it was like well it's like moments like that that i don't fully understand why omni-man I mean, I guess there's really no point in killing him. I'm happy he didn't. But, like, with how Omni-Man was talking about his views on humanity, that, like, okay, this guy's onto something, just get rid of I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Any Anything you can really take and, and put under a microscope and pick it apart. But I think the most important thing really is how the moment-to-moment uh, instances within the show how that made you feel uh, if you felt like it was all cohesive generally speaking I mean obviously we all watched this first season to the end and I don't think anybody was disappointed but um, I, I think that's uh, a reason why we can all recommend it you know it, whether you like superheroes or not I think it definitely helps if you like them but there's a lot of like character development and uh, world building and uh, just like storytelling that is done really really well. They they know how to write jokes into just regular human life and also kind of poking fun at times 
the idea of superheroes and supervillains, like with Do- uh, is it the Doctor Seismic, mm-hmm. like the that, bad one-liners, general right? That that general character, but even even that guy has a little just a, a weird edge to him. That's it's kind of hard to really nail down, but it it, it almost it's it's beyond, it goes beyond his sort of cartoonish. Right, it's not like mustache twisting evil. But the whole thing about all the all these people are here to you know pray at these these false idols kind of thing, and it's like people don't go to Mount Rushmore to pray. They just, I mean, generally, I think that the idea is you go there to appreciate the human ingenuity. Is I mean, it, it could have some to do with the the presidents, and yes, there there are issues with a lot of those individuals but even still it's it it doesn't have to be about that so i think that was you know really all i had to say really good show again it was eight episodes pretty you know watch it in a weekend kind of show yep that's what we did it wasn't intentional but we did (laughs) yeah um i think hopefully it was worth it um but it just got approved for an additional two seasons, so hopefully this is the trend that uh, hopefully you know just keeps getting better. So, yeah, that was Invincible. Uh, what superpower would you have, Chris, if you could have any of them? Like in general, or like shown in the show? In general. In general, um, like a, like a Beast Boy type thing, like turn into different animals. How about how about you guys? I always say teleportation. I think I'm going to stick with that. That's a good one. Like Nightcrawler like poofing a cloud of I, smoke. Yeah, I love Nightcrawler. He's my favorite. Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler's uh, amazing. Yeah, but he has to know where he's going, Grace. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are certain you got, limitations. You got ADHD. <laughs> Sometimes things aren't it. You know, yeah, I just pop super into. Super clear. <laughs> Why did I think of this? <laughs> a beach I went to several years ago. A Denny's, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that would be useful. <laughs> right. <laughs> You would save a lot on gas. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. And travel, just like plane tickets and stuff. Walker? Kind of in the same vein. I like the idea of flight. That's really the only one that I'm somewhat think would be kind of kind of nice. You know, convenient and also just cool to, to have. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Go watch Invincible. Hopefully you have already seen it and didn't get everything spoiled for you. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Our Warped Pod. And you can follow Chris at Chris Ambrose80 for his art. And you can follow Walker. You can you can follow me behind the kaiju because we know that Omni Man at least has a little bit of trouble dealing with that. Bye. Bye. It doesn't matter. Just no F-bombs. What about it? <laughs> Never mind. What? You have to say it now. Yeah, I was going to say, what about F-slurs? Uh, no. <laughs> no F-bombs. It is Pride Month. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness.